Hey, hey, good morning. Good morning to you. It's after the gig. I'm Jesse Humphrey. Welcome to the show. Today on the episode, I have Grayson Foster. Grayson is a singer-songwriter. He's based out of Nashville. Really great young songwriter. He has a new single out called Cash Money Honey. That's the new single. Um, if you follow the show or you follow any of the other things that I do, I was on the um, the Records Revisited podcast. We were reviewing John Mayer's uh, album, Try, the John Mayer Trio album. And Grayson was on the show and we got to meet and talk there and, and talk about all of our love for John Mayer. And uh, you can check that episode out. I'll add the link in the description. And speaking of John Mayer, he just came out with a new album. So I believe what we're going to try to do here is I'm going to try to listen to talk about and review and kind of break down the sob rock album. It's kind of, it's already been done by people online, people that have the, the stems, um, which is just the individual tracks or maybe all the guitar tracks, all the drum tracks, whatever. And they really break it down. But as far as just like the feeling behind the songs, I'd love to just like sit down and talk about it and talk about what I think about the production and, um, and maybe do that with, with Genevieve as well next week. So I think that might be the plan for next week, but you know, things change all the time here. Things change all the time. Um, in other news, I was back on the road, mostly in Virginia, a couple private shows, a few big shows, the big Maymont show. Um, I played with Carbon Leaf in, in, Richmond, Virginia. Holy crap. That was such a blast. Outdoors, beautiful weather. It was hot. It was hot and sweaty. I wore, I wore a glow stick around my hair. I, I wrapped a bunch of them together and I made like, like a, a glow stick headband, which was really, really fun. And I, don't, I don't really know if anyone could actually see it, but I did it. And it was really great. And I feel like we played well. There was more people at Maymont this year than there ever has been in the history of Carbon Leaf, apparently. So um, I feel proud to have been a part of that. And it just goes to show you that people want to be out. People are like starved for a good time, uh, bands included. And I think that... Um, you know, no one could really afford to put their their mental health in the backseat or put their livelihood in the backseat anymore. And I think we're moving on here. Um, you know, still some scary stuff when it comes to the Delta variant and you hear things and it just makes me think like, oh my God, not again, not this time of year. But I don't, I, anyone that I've talked to, and I won't name any names, it's like, you got to work. <laughs> nobody is nobody is going to bail us out ever because it, it never happened before. I mean, it, it's just, it's too hard. It's too hard to, to like afford anything if you can't be working for a year. So I don't see, I don't really see that happening again. And I feel okay with, uh, you know, venues mandating masks if they want to do that fine but we'll see what happens in, in the fall anyway i don't want to get too far down that rabbit hole but please enjoy this conversation with grayson foster he's a fantastic young singer songwriter and uh it was really a pleasure to talk with him and have him on the show so please enjoy 
Uh, I've always wanted to get into that. I don't know. That's part of my problem. I like to just, I like a little bit of everything. So I always want to just do a little bit of everything. Right. Um, and he had started dipping into it a little bit since he'd been living in New York. And, you know, we'd always made, I guess you could, I mean, every kind of person has the same story, but it's like we made videos when we were kids. We made like lightsaber dueling videos and stuff and we made skits and stuff like that and recorded them so we were always just kind of like dabbling in that and then just kind of kept expanding and we kept supporting each other me and him acting and and um and then him through me and music and then when he got this opportunity to start directing and uh he basically was just like yo you wanna you wanna come with me and kind of like learn this thing on the fly and I, I was totally down for that. I mean, instantly. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I love, it's funny <clears throat> you bring up the video stuff. Like I'm, I just started getting into, that was like my side hustle kind of thing when the pandemic started is to get a camera and do live streams and, and help out the bands that I play and make better content. I was like, let's just go kind of like, not completely all in because it's very expensive and, di- and right. time consuming. But, um, I went a lot further in cause I also, you know, I'm the same. Like I love making skits and f- stupid, funny videos with my friends when I was young. And, um, and I still like doing it now. Like I just right. made one with, with a bandmate and stuff, but it's funny. The reason why I asked if, if you wanted to do it with him is cause like, there are those people that you feel comfortable with, you know, with you being an artist and a songwriter, finding, finding those common threads with people that you trust. So that's why I, I just kind of thought of that. But yeah, no, I, I agree. I think creativity definitely like is, a, has a lot to do with relationships. doesn't mean you can't create with someone you just met. You definitely can. Right. Um, but I definitely feel most comfortable with like the producers and, and him, uh, people who I've either worked with before, or I either know personally on a level where we've like just shared enough where you, you feel comfortable being vulnerable or, or like speaking your mind and stuff. Cause that's the last thing you want to do. It, and when you're trying to be creative is like have that inner voice saying, don't say that. That's a dumb idea or anything like that. Yeah. Better he, <laughs> because he's made fun of me for so many years, just cause that's how guys are like better. He just say my idea is stupid than me. Never say it at all. <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, that's a big problem for myself personally is like to f- like finishing things because you I in the middle of it it's like it starts off as like, "Oh, that's a cool idea." And then or in in the process of either writing a song or whatever, it starts off as like, "Okay, that's a cool idea." And it moves into, "All right, let's try to work this out." And then you listen back the next day like, "I don't know if I want to say this or do this. Uh, I'm really self-conscious." And then it just goes away. So it's just one of those things where, I don't know, maybe it's just cause I'm a drummer in a band, <laughs> but, um, you know, the, uh, the Ringo star syndrome, but it's just, oh, uh, man. yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of great, he had some good songs, but it's like, I don't know. I just get afraid. I get afraid of what people, what people think so much as you, know, you just don't want to finish stuff. Sometimes, you, sometimes. How do you usually like how do you usually cope with that? Like what's like your main way of, cause I also deal with that. I'm always just curious. I say, fuck those people. Hell yeah. <laughs> fuck those people. I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway. Because isn't that weird? Cause no like one that care comes when from I'm a dead. place of caring. Yeah. Like you, like you care so much, but then at the same time you're like, wait a minute, I shouldn't care. <laughs> right. 
it's mostly like i just don't want people to know how i feel <laughs> i just want to get i want to do this thing that i love and that's kind of the the ends to the means like you you're not going to write something that is interesting that you don't necessarily believe in or that isn't authentic or whatever um so when you kind of put your heart on on your sleeve or on the paper and stuff like that you know people are going to listen to it and um and judge it or 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 hopefully and the the objective is is hopefully get something out of it and when and my fear is that like if i if you don't do a good good enough job or if i don't excuse me if i didn't do a good enough job like conveying those things or maybe i made it a little bit too personal i didn't i didn't like let people in enough on what i was trying to say then people will think it's stupid and that's the last like the last thing i want is for someone to think that like something i thought about or worked hard on is stupid and i'm sure everyone feels that that way to a certain point but some people have more of a i don't care what other people think attitude than others and I'm working towards not caring. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, the journey the journey to not actually caring. Right. Um, it's like I care so much <laughs> that I don't give a shit. So. I think I don't know. I don't know what that would actually feel like. It seems like that'd be scary to to not actually care. Because yeah. if you don't actually care, then why you why do you put anything out? If of you didn't care, then you'd be just a dumb person. <laughs> <laughs> you'd just be walking around, just like I don't care. No one would like you. Did I, I wrote a um I wrote a song recently that I'm. I really like it more just because of the, what it kind of gives me. Um, it's just, it's called, you can kick rocks. It's basically just like, you can kick not, rocks. Yeah. It's it. like, if you're not, if you're not into this, like that's fine. Like don't, don't be a hater though. Like, yeah. you know, don't say negative things, just kick rocks and like go away. You don't, it's not for you. Yeah. No, I love it. I love that. Kick rocks is like Res- one of my favorite, my favorite <laughs> yeah. uh, sayings. Respectfully kick rocks, please, sir. Respectfully, can you kick those rocks over there, please? <laughs> um, so when you're writing, like, you know, is it mostly, is it, you know, I've listened to some of your stuff, but it's like, it seems mostly personal and you're, you know, you're, you're writing about your own experience and how you feel and things like that. Your perception on, on the world or your outlook. Um, what is, I, I guess what's like that process like for you or why you gravitate towards that kind of that kind of writing and stuff um i get i have i guess most of the artists that i've really like dug in and and analyzed and deeply respected their writing not that the other forms aren't as aren't as cool but guys like uh bahamas and, and john mayer i just think that they found they found a way to take the things that have happened to them and the emotions that they feel put them in this little fun package that is for everybody. And I just think it's a little more special to have those little like tender personal things involved. I just think it makes it more real, um, like on a, on a, on a big level, but there's also, you know, tons of places for the other stuff. Like, um, it's a guy named Henry Jameson that I've, I really like listening to. And I mean, his, his lyrics are like a, like a book of poems, like a book of poems that would be too dense for me to even read. Yeah, but I love the music, and I know that what he's saying it probably has even more to do with him than some of the stuff that I say about myself. But it's just coaxed in these elegant words. Whereas I feel like in my writing, I'm just like, "What happened? How do I feel? Is there any way for anybody else to feel this way as well that would gain something out of this?" Yeah, 
and then try to do that all with a catchy chorus. <laughs> <laughs> do that. Don't bore us. Get to the chorus and move on to the next track. Um, yeah, I mean, do you find like do you find it easier? Do do you gravitate towards writing uh, about a, a single small idea and trying to build upon that, or do you do you try to think of? I mean, because you you write great you write really good lyrics i'm always very yeah i'm no problem i'm I'm always very envious of people that write well uh because it's something that's really hard to do it's like you listen to something and like wow it's so great like why could why can't i like put you know words together like that it's it's just you know when they make it seem so easy but it's not it's we're it's really um when things just make sense so I, i that's you know, that's a lot all packaged into one question, but like, do you think that the small idea and building upon it is like a thing or you try to get to something bigger? I think it's, it's the so same scat- thing. I'm so scattered. No, that's I have, okay. I, totally I haven't done, I haven't done one of these in a while because I said that I was going to, uh, do the next one in person because, you know, vaxxed and all that. And I'm, I'm sick and you know, it's hard. Hashtag. It's hard to do these hashtag vaxxed. <laughs> but um anyway no i i think that it it's the same approach as like if you were going to play a song it it all matters and what's of service to that song okay so um you know like if you're going to write a big ballad it's it probably a little better to have those big ideas in there some some just like thing to grasp onto like whether it's a breakup or like um unrecorded love or something like that like it's uh something big like that but then also like if it's like a little tiny folk song it's nothing better than like a folk song just about like a piece of land or something yeah is a is part of it just identity for you like just identifying what the idea is or what it's going to be and then being like i need to get my head into this space like the the ballad space or into the tiny folk song space yeah definitely i think that um the process for me re- more recently it's like i feel like i'm learning more and more uh is sort of just like whether it's a riff or a melody that's kind of kicking off that beginning stages of the idea it's important for me to sort of in that beginning process step back and be like all right if this is a good idea what what could this be what space would that be in where do i go from there and then usually like when you start writing you know it's not like it just flows out you write some stuff and you're like, all right, well, that was cool five minutes ago, but now that I have this chorus, that's not as cool anymore. I think I should go deeper into this metaphor or tell more of a story in the beginning to set up the chorus. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to find. It's, <laughs> I keep on, you know, I keep on relating it back to how, how I try to do it. It's like, you know, you, you come up with a line, you write some stuff, like you said, and then you go back and you, then you created this course and you go back and look at what you did and you're like, wait, this thing I thought was cool a second ago, I, it's not so cool anymore. All right, let's try to write some more stuff. And then you get to a point at the end of your session or at <laughs> the end of your, you know, getting your brain out on a piece of paper and then you look back at it and you're like, I don't know what just happened. <laughs> that stuff is going to stay in this notebook forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so no, that, totally. Yeah. It's so it's such a weird process for, for everybody. It's, it's and, funny to yeah. talk about it. Well, that's why it ebbs and flows too. You know, it comes and it goes, you know, there was times during, um, the pandemic where I felt like really confident about getting up and 
working on a song and writing a song and other days where i was like i'm scared to even try yeah yeah because <laughs> it's probably it, like it could go really badly and then i'll wake up tomorrow feeling worse about it and how did it's, you do through the p- pandemic like you know like emotionally and and oh and man stuff like so you know. have you have you seen um the Bo Burnham special? Yes. A little, I mean, not that extreme, but like yeah, big time ups and downs. Big time. Oh my but, God. I, but like I had things amazing. Like uh, we talked about this on the other podcast. Like I got married when I was during the pandemic. That was incredible. Incredible yeah. high for me. And then there were other times where it was like I had no idea what I was going to do to make money or to be the center of attention. Like Bo Burnham says. It's oh like, my God. I don't know why I crave that. It's just like, and we, we were talking about be the white guy talking. Earlier. Yeah. It's like, I just, why do I have to make stuff, but then also want people to like it, but then also want to act like I don't care about how people like it. I mean, the funny thing is, is like we, and I would absolutely, I were definitely talking more about the Bo Burnham special. I've watched it like four times. Um, but I mean, this whole idea and this this uh, obsession with everyone just wanting to be a famous person for no reason is like you know at least you have a talent and you're doing something and you're trying to connect with people rather than just hopping on on the gram and and showing people you know this this private jet that you got to ride on or or this other thing and try to be an instagram model or or whatever that's great if you're going to do that, <laughs> but like, it's such an insane time to like be an artist because you think like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to be, you know, people want to be famous. Like I, at, at one point wanted to be really, famous. I still do like want to be, uh, but it's more about being like respected and, and respected right. for what you do rather than just being like, you know, someone that, has no more anim- uh, anonymity or um you know it's just one of those crazy things but yeah i imagine it, it's it's hard it's hard for like a songwriter someone that wants to be up on stage someone that's done like talent shows and stuff or whatever when they were in grade school or high school like that wants to be in front and get like the yeah the big cheer and everything it feels so good and i don't think anyone should feel guilty about that i remember uh, when John Mayer came to Berkeley in 2008 on, on stage, one, one of the things he said was like, who here wants to be famous? He just plain out said it. Right. And people were like, didn't want to raise their hands. People just wanted to be like, no, no, I, I, I'm, you know, they're just hiding their egos. And, and he goes, I wanted to be famous. And then everyone goes, we all want to be famous. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you're people are afraid to admit but i think it's okay i think it's okay to want to want to do that as long as it's for a good reason you know yeah how did i get off on that i don't we were talking about the pandemic and then (laughs) the amazing work of bo burnham that uh made me want to like make a bunch of stuff and also quit at the same time just on like how amazing it was unbelievable i mean look how long it took him so for people that don't know bo burnham made a special called inside and it's it's on netflix and it's wonderful it's really depressing at times <laughs> but, watch but it in it, the right headspace for sure yeah it's like it the way that i watched it was like this guy did all of this by himself and it didn't matter at that point it didn't matter 
what it was or that he was like you know talking about killing himself for a lot of it <laughs> and um and i'm not quite sure if if he did want to or didn't want to or does want to or whatever it's it's it remains unclear but um i think it's cool man like i i felt like a lot of emotions when watching that that special because it definitely hit a lot of a lot of spots for like you know for being a performer in the pandemic mm-hmm. yeah it was a lot of a lot of like gut punches to it but also just like i mean dude i can't get these songs out of my head why woman <laughs> why woman's instagram they're so yeah. catchy and well crafted and i love a good short song yeah and a lot of them are like in that little earworm mark i'll be uh i, mean, I was on a golf trip a week ago and um my only problem is that like as soon as i stood over the ball and like got my mind quiet song would always come i'm turning 30 <laughs> and then i'm like sad because that's me in a few years and then also i was like dang but that's a really catchy song do you and then feel i make that? the putt yeah nice you gotta make that putt yeah you gotta make the putt i'll tell you about the time i played golf with john daly that was fun oh wow yeah that's a good story i um do you feel that way about turning 30 do you have any similar feelings that bo burnham felt yeah yeah i totally do but that helped yeah it did help that moment where he was literally watching the clock turn to midnight was i mean it was brilliant it was brilliant of him to do that and turn 30 while on while videoing himself because that moment when you like when you're in your 20s did you ever work in the service industry at all yeah okay still do what do you do wait tables yeah so i was a bartender for 10 years and when you're in the restaurant you're always like all the people you know did you meet your wife at the restaurant no no we met in college okay cool better way better (laughs) (laughs) i I met my wife at at the restaurant Uh, uh, nice (laughs) um but like that feeling when you're waiting tables with with everyone is in their 20s you're all hanging out you go you have drinks afterwards you go to your favorite spot you know whatever after after the shift is over and that's in your 20s and then there's a point when you go from like 26 to 27 and then 28 and then you start thinking to yourself wait a minute am I the old guy? Because there's turnover. There's so much turnover in the restaurants. So people start showing up that are younger and younger. It's like if you play sports and then you keep watching and then the team keeps turning over and then you realize, Oh, I like that player. Who is that? Wait, how old are they? They're younger than me. That's a really weird feeling when the people playing sports start being younger than you. And when I turned 30, I was still in the restaurant and then I looked around and realized I'm the oldest motherfucker here. <laughs> and that was a weird feeling in, in literally that unit, that one universe everywhere else. It's like, you're fucking 30. Your, your life just started. So you're just starting to figure things out, you know? <clears throat> yeah. But I also, I mean, I'm excited about it. I know that I don't know why in my head I have this. Someone either told me this is probably a lie, but they said that you're actually most like creative, not most creative. You can be creative anytime, but like that you have a very good chance of really creating 
good stuff and like sort of your mental prime, I guess, is like 28 to 32 or somewhere yeah. in that range on a stretch. Yeah, I'd, um, I'd say so. I mean, it all so depends. I'm just riding on, that, you know. <laughs> I think it's a good thing to ride. You know, uh, it's just, it's one of those things where it's all about your experience. I think your create, your, where your creative muscle kind of meets your experience to your putting things in practice and just kind of consistency. Like, you know, golf is is all about being consistent and a golfer's prime is in what 35 or something like that. So yeah, it's just, um, I I don't know. I love, I love being in my thirties. I love being in my thirties way better than I liked being in my twenties to be 100% honest. I had a lot of weird years in my (laughs) twenties. So 30, 30 was good. Got married at 29, turned 30, you know, kid at 33 32 33 so okay and then i'll be 34 this year so now it's starting to get weird now it's like (laughs) now it's like whatever i tell you about how good it is being in your 30s is is all about talk to me in a year and i'll be like i'm fucking miserable you know i'm gonna (laughs) buy i'm gonna buy a corvette so it's all about that but i'm jealous that you're in your 20s i'm just trying to make you think that 30 is better than 20 no, I, I, I like I like how it sounds, you know? I mean life is, is every point it's been in, I've feel like I've been fearful for the future. But I I look back on it and it's like, no, I was definitely ready to to continue and go on at like every sort of like chopping block of that stage. Or I didn't think I was and then you just get thrust into it and kinda learn how to do it. That fear is good, man. That, oh yeah, that feeling that fear. You always know that something's about to happen. I'm actually in that moment right now. Oh, um, you want to talk about it? I've been talking a lot. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um, but I mean, I I guess I mean it's uh, we're moving. We're okay. moving uh, apartments. Um, you know, w- w- the housing market's crazy right now. It's mm-hmm. you guys are in Florida, right? Oh, Providence, Providence. Pro- right. Oh, Pro- Providence. You're, you're thinking. You're thinking of uh, of Ben, Ben Montgomery. Right. Okay. So, uh, we're moving out. We're we're not. We're maybe not moving out of Providence, but we're de- we definitely have to move, and we don't know where we're going, and we have a toddler, mm. <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm going away on tour for. A lengthy amount of time i saw the dates yeah yeah so that's a lot of time to be away um you know i've only been I've, I've done two weeks two weeks is the most and that's hard and my wife just started going back like five she's been working three days a week which has been really manageable and great mm-hmm. and now she's going to five which is um you know like a normal person's job but it's just uh it's just uh, two more days of finding childcare, especially when I'm away. So that is really stressing me out. And it's like, you know, what do you do? There's, we could, we could go crazy and be like, let's just move to Nashville oh. and see what happens. You know, Jen works in a hotel. There's hotels everywhere. She's very good at what she does. And, um, I love playing with a lot of different people and I've been in this a position for f- about four years where I've been in one band, been a member of one band. And that's not, 
I'm not going to say it's bad. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. It's an amazing thing. Um, but you want to scratch it other itches, you know, and, and being in a place like Providence, especially during a pandemic when you can't Mm -hmm. experience the scene or get out there and meet musicians in the area and try to cultivate some kind of thing here. I think that is a big part of what I'm missing is cultivating a local scene. Um, but it's just a lot of, it's a lot of shit. (laughs) It's a lot of shit going on. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm in Nashville now. We'd we'd love to have you. Yeah. You know, Um, I'd love to be there. I feel like I would definitely, I, I don't know, maybe I feel like I would, I would get hired or, or work a bunch, but I just, I don't know. It, it's uh, it's a hard decision to make because I love being near family. And I have those, I have those kinds of pulls where is family and being in a place I'm really comfortable and that I like is that does going to Nashville and maybe getting a lot of work and meeting a lot of new people, maybe getting the career like really, really going is, is that going to outweigh that family feeling of home because it all changed it's like it's crazy how it all changes your perspective when you have a kid it's like people say it. it's a cliche it's incredibly everything changes everything <laughs> it's wonderful but just your mentality and the way that you think about things and what's important it all it all changes and <clears throat> you know i was do you have do you have any siblings yeah i've got two older brothers two older brothers so I'm, I'm the youngest as well. And you think like, you know, their experience is somewhat your experience, right? Like they, they do things when they're older and you see it happen and you look, you can learn from them. Right. Do do you have that? Yeah. So I had that experience with my brother and my sister and me, you know, being the youngest, you think like, okay, if they did, I learned from that. I experienced it. Like I, I get it. I get it. I get this. I got it, whatever, you know, I can deal with it. It's all good. But once that happens, once you cross that threshold with another person and it's like, it's, it's like all out the fucking window, (laughs) you know, especially because you have to deal with like, you know, childcare and, and, and government, like, you know, healthcare. And it's like insane. Like I have never been more pissed about healthcare than I am now. And I have like, I have Crohn's disease. I've dealt with it my whole life. So. Oh man, dude. Sorry. I've been, I've been oh, you know, bat- battling some, some gut stuff myself. Really? Um, yeah. I don't know if it's going to turn into the, uh, the inner biome of the, of the gut podcast, but, um, I, I think you've, you probably realize right now this podcast is like the off the rails podcast. <laughs> I love it. Uh, but no, I my oldest brother has three kids. And yeah, I know that even just like what I see on a family weekend is like just the tip of the iceberg and he's an incredible father. And then he also, he teaches school. He goes, he goes and he does more kids. (laughs) Well, that, that's probably uh, an advantage for him because he sees, he sees the, all the different personalities of the kids. Like I felt that, I felt that as an advantage when I was a bartender, you see all the different types of people and, and especially as a server. Because a, a server, they don't treat you like a human. <laughs> Bartenders, you have the stuff they want, so they're nice to you. <laughs> so like, and his, historically, the bartender, you know, is the good listener and the and the good talker. And yeah, 
has a podcast (laughs) (laughs) always always yeah i it's um all right so your brother has three kids my my oldest the oldest in my family the uh my brother scott has two kids so it's funny that perspective like you think you know being the uncle it's like oh yeah they're it that's that thing but you're only seeing them for like a fraction of the time you do not experience wake up bedtime middle of the day tantrums you know getting getting them to the car <laughs> like getting oh. them, getting them back in the stroller uh, i we are just so lucky with how good ethan is um he's an incredible kid but it's like you know there's times where you're just like i can't do anything else it's like having a heckler in the crowd 24 7 if they're and if you can't stay on top of it they take over and it's the worst feeling ever <laughs> but it's you know it's nuts you well, should you got, i mean you, you gotta love it no I, we definitely we definitely do i mean you know i don't i don't look at that and say like i don't want that i'm just like right not right now no of course no 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 you shouldn't is there is there a uh, you shouldn't what am i talking about <laughs> no yeah, um, you probably should is yeah you know you should live your life and, and uh, <laughs> not worry about anything um is your how is there like a spread like an age difference between you and your wife um no she was born january of 94 and i was born april of 93 so in just case anyone wanted to know our ages <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, um, oh okay yeah because that's right that's right so yeah, that's you, you met in college you met in college yeah yeah Where'd you go to college? I went to, I went to Clemson. She transferred into Clemson. Um, and she came, uh, to a show actually that our, that the band I was playing in at the time played and I got to meet her and was very interested from the, from the get go. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. She was interested in you or you were interested in her? I was definitely interested in her. Okay. Um, and I think she was a little bit interested in me, but also, you know, I mean a little, uh, you know, guy, guy on stage every now and then your, your, your girlfriends sometimes are like, I don't know. All right. But a lot of them, uh, some of them were in support. Some of them were not, you know, had to win a few over. Yeah. It's like, I don't know about that. We have a couple pre-med guys that are looking pretty good. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you had to put the work in. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I, well, and then also, I mean, I'd say the songs got way better too after that. So that's good. I owe her, good. I owe her a lot. I had a lot better things to write about because before that you know it was just class like college kid stuff we were trying to write about getting high in the basement at maybe parent maybe my house. <laughs> yeah <laughs> let's just jam and say whatever comes to mind that'll work <laughs> it's funny did you have did were you in any um what was your band experience before you moved to nashville and and you know high school college and stuff um so i mean we did some things and and like I played like in my church band in middle school, you know, we were playing Switchfoot, just jumping off the speakers and stuff. In um, church? Oh yeah. Yeah, they let us get rowdy. Are you kidding? <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, I mean we we would. Like it wasn't like a big production or anything. So I, I imagine if anyone videotaped it like they would if they did now, it would look really dumb. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um and then in high school Actually, high school is kind of when I started to write, but I started writing by r- trying to write funny songs. Okay. Um, like uh, a, a girlfriend at the time broke up with me, so I wrote like a get back at you anger breakup song. 
and then like i'd write funny songs like if i had some friends and they hooked up that weekend like i'd write a song about them that weekend and then show show the my friends in chorus the next week <laughs> nice <laughs> didn't really realize what i was doing until we had like a person come in and was like songwriting is an art form that you can use you know to craft things and i was like oh that's didn't know that like that had that many facets to it yeah um and then kind of like Went to Clemson, just fully expecting to, uh, I studied finance, you know, I, I did like two summers at Morgan Stanley, still always played music, and um, there were some like inklings of things, like there was a guy who wanted to go play some of the bars as like an acoustic duo, and we re- we rehearsed a few times, but never pulled the trigger, and then um, a few of my friends and two of my fraternity brothers um, had like, you know, the vague uh, tremblings of a, of a band were yeah. whispered into the air and one of the kids was just at the bar one night and was talking to the owner and was like you should let us play here and the guy was like all right you can play on wednesday night for free <laughs> <laughs> for no money yeah and so he, you all get one beer yeah he called me and he was like uh, dude i have a s- spot to do a show if you want to and we did it and we were all like so into it um That's awesome so we did the first year so that was my sophomore year we did just like purely uh bar gigs a few maybe a few like basement shows as well and we probably had six originals four of which i probably like came in with before i met the guys or not before i met them before we started the band um and then just a bunch of covers and then the next year it was like 50 50 we played um a lot of bar shows a lot of like tailgates and stuff like that and started writing more um, we would write the music all as a group and then I would go write the lyrics, come back and then they would kind of like give me feedback until we thought we had a good song. Yeah. And, uh, then the, th- in between the second and third year, we actually came up to Nashville and recorded a record. And, um, then when we got back, we were like, all right, we're going to keep playing the shows that we normally do. We're just going to y- use all those up, save up and then try to go on tour. So we would probably do like three weekends at the university and then go on tour for one of the weekends playing like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday thing. Right. Um, and I instantly got hooked on that. That was fun traveling around, never knowing what you're going to get, you know? Um, and then we started uh, one by one. We were all kind of different ages. One by one, we started graduating and the band was together together. And then I graduated. I think I was the last one to graduate. And I was like, all right, guys, like, I'm going to go up to Nashville. I would love for everyone to come up if they want to. And it just, it wasn't right for everybody. So we decided to, to stop um, playing as a group then. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm just going to go up there and then do it under my name. Yeah. After I like tried to come up with 20 different, like cool artist names. I was like, none of these are good. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, just, I'm just going to give me what the good Lord gave me or my, my, my mom and dad. Um, yeah. Yeah. Did you, that's hard. That must've been, that must've been tough to, to have to like part ways with your buds and after doing all that stuff, but you know, you gotta, gotta move on at some point. Yeah. I mean, it it was so much fun. I look back on those, on those times with a lot of, a lot of just like pure joy with, um, like what we got to experience. Yeah. Uh, Like even like my friends that were, uh, in college that would come to see us play. Like it's, it's funny hearing them talk about it. Cause it's like ingrained in their memories too, about like all these fun times we got to have out. And, and, you know, we got to play some, uh, some cool shows. We, 
we got to open for some like fairly cool like rising bands some cool venues so we got to experience um a lot of the things that i think is important to experience before you start you know playing playing bigger shows um you know like it's weird the first time that you sound check like at Mm -hmm. a real venue you know if you're because we for the first year and a half i just ran the sound myself yeah and i was like wait a minute like this is so easy for me i just stand here he checks my mic he checks my guitar and then we play a song and then and then we're done until we play. I'm like, that's amazing. I'm used to doing like an hour and a half of work of like running back from forth from microphones. Yeah. Um, and that, that first sound check where everyone's kind of playing at the same time and the sound guy has to be like, one at a time, yeah. one at a time. <laughs> or, uh, or he's like, all right, drummer. And he starts playing like a full beat or like a crazy kick pattern. He's like, just, just hit it once and wait a second. Just <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> dong, dong. It's always funny when, when, uh, you know, there's civilians in the, in the club when you're doing a sound check and, and your, your sound checking drums is just boom, boom. I always get so self-conscious, like that doesn't happen anymore because there's no one in the room, but it's like, or whoever's there knows what's going on. Um, but I used to get so self-conscious, like doing a sound check at Brooklyn, Brooklyn Bowl in, uh, in Brooklyn where people are actually bowling next to you and you're just doing a sound check and, and it's just, I'm being so annoying right now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, I'm bugging everybody. I have no idea what that feels like. I can imagine as a, as a drummer, like just being behind all of these things you can hit. Yeah. And then the guy being like, all right, you have to hit this one over and over again. And yeah. you can't do anything fancy with it. You just have to just hit it. Just hit it at so an I average can dial speed. It in. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's funny because when I do that, we're all on we're on an X thirty two monitoring system now, so we don't. It's all it's all dialed in already. We don't even have to do a sound check. We can just play. He can play a recording of something we played the night before and dial it in that way. And my mix never changes. So I just have it all, uh, you know, if, if it's a drastic change in setting, like if we're playing outside compared right. to inside or like at a, uh, you know, but e- even then I don't, I, I go into my phone, I can like adjust everything and all that, but I just, I have it to a place I want it and I don't really move it anymore. So I literally, my sound check is, you know, set up the kit, the mics are all set up, whatever. And then I wait for Doug, our sound guy, to text tunes, question mark, question mark, to everybody. Go up. I'll play a groove. Everyone will play a couple songs, and that's it. And then we go eat dinner. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's the most like the faster I can get through a sound check is is the best. It's the most tedious part of the day, in in my opinion. But you know, I guess the next step is when you just show up and the drums are already set up. That's perfect. That sounds great. <laughs> I was talking about that the other day when we were setting up. I was like, I thought I would be, I wouldn't have to do this by now. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I, I said that out loud. And I, I realized how much of an asshole, like, prick thing to say that is while you're setting up outside in the heat and everyone else is working. Um, and everyone else in the band is like way older than you. So um, do you, this is, this is, I love asking this question. Do you show up to the show and what you're going to wear? Or do you show up in like a pre outfit? Dude, I, all right. So 
I am the biggest offender when it comes to this kind of thing. And I know you see all these fucking rock and roll guys like you. You're skinny. You're a good looking guy. <laughs> you show up in your black skinny jeans and your boots and whatever. And a, and a long sleeve button down denim shirt. Sure. Great. You all, you all look great. Fine. I can't do that. I wear like gym shorts and this. I, I'm in the exact thing I would wear into a venue. A, you know, gym shorts and a t-shirt. I look so not rock and roll. It's <laughs> it's ridiculous. I look like you know, like a banker going to the gym, basically. And um, and I get I get dressed right, like literally right before the show because I sweat. I sweat so much. And and when you're on tour, like you only have so many clothes, and there's there isn't a laundry mat at every single fucking <laughs> place. So I know? actually I agree with you. So I actually I do have like. I always bring like backup shirts cause I tend yeah. to sweat as well. Um, especially like, you know, some, some of those places it's just hot. They have the lights on while you're doing it too. It can get really steamy. Um, but I, I always bring either backup shirt, but the, I guess the difference is, is that like the outfit that I wear before is also like sort of skinny jeans and a <laughs> black bun. I just yeah. have like two of the outfits. <laughs> but the thing is it's, it's sir. It serves you it serves you way better than it, than what I do does for me. It's purely, it's all comfort because I don't feel like, you know, I don't, I do what I do. You know, I also, I don't feel the need to have to, to dress the way I would dress for a show all day. Cause that's, I'm just not comfortable in it. You know, I'm a, I'm a big guy. I sweat. We're on a bus. It's like, it's, it's a lot to, to, I don't know it's it's just too much for me <laughs> for me but like you go in and you're like automatically respected you're you're they know who you are and what you're there to do and it serves you well i walk in i could be some guy off the street like uh what's this guy doing here <laughs> like, i'm the drum the drummer <laughs> yeah and i the thing is when i go to set up the drummers i uh, set up the drummers when i go to set up the drums I always think that either the house sound guy or like the, the whoever the house people that are there, I always think that they think that I'm the tech or like uh. the roadie. And then when I start playing and singing and stuff, they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I like the surprise. Um, but I definitely don't look the part when I walk in for sure. That's a good question. That's a really good question. I'm, I'm always curious because our drummer, he wears um, overalls to set up. He wears, he wears like work clothes. Does he work on a farm? <laughs> he doesn't work on a farm, but he's very handy. He's, he's, okay. you know, he's been in like a lawn business. He built, he like, I think the most recent thing he did, he just like built a really beautiful deck with his bare hands. Wow. Um, which is stuff, that's stuff that I look at and I'm like, I, I can't see how you did that. I tried to make covers for some speakers that I have, which is basically just building a rectangle of wood. <laughs> <laughs> and covering it with a fabric and i couldn't do that to save my life i couldn't get the i couldn't get the edges to fit together i couldn't get the woods to like cut evenly i made an embarrassment of myself in front of my neighbor it was bad it's funny you say that it's <laughs> i've been watching a ton of like diy home projects i don't know if it's just like a dad thing to do but like i love them I could watch someone build something out of wood all fucking day long. <laughs> like I, 
I listened to the audio book of, uh, of Nick, Nick Offerman, uh, good, clean fun. And, uh, man, I could just, I could listen to him talk about his workshop all day. <laughs> it's like, I'm so jealous of how, of like handy, handy people that can build shit. Does he put on a character when he does that? Or is he just like, when he reads it? himself in like interviews and stuff. Yeah. He, I mean, he's got that like dry, like that dry, like everything I say is funny kind of thing. Yeah. He's just reading the the words, but the way that he says it, he's so passionate about it too. So there's like a combination of dry, funny, also I'm giving you the information thing. <laughs> that you but, should already have known if you were a man. Yeah. He, <laughs> yeah. Basically, he's like, you're a man. You should know this stuff already. And it's, he's talking just like that. And it's, and it's, uh, it's really, it's very good. It's very well done. And I actually, my wife got me the, um, actually got me the, the hard, hard, hardcover book of it. That's for, I already, uh, listened to it, but, um, has all pictures and stuff like that. And I like pictures. I'm a picture guy. So big picture guy. I love pictures. Big picture guy. Yeah. So I don't know. I've been, I've been getting into some, uh, some more books lately. But, well, what, what the the nonfiction of the nonfiction variety? I'm all about the nonfiction. Yeah, I I try to get into fiction, but then I'm just like, this isn't real. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like if you're a dad and you read fiction, it has to be like David Baldacci or something. I don't know who that is. It's like um, it's like like secret agent uh, novels. Like oh crime, yeah, crime or justice novels. Oh, the ones, yeah. you know, you walk in the bookstore and the name of the writer is huge. And then like in the middle, it's some like vague picture of like a <laughs> heist or like a gavel or something. Yeah. Or like an eagle. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, it's funny you say that my, I like Tom Clancy books as Similar well. Similar to that. Yeah. Tom Clancy would be another good example. Yeah. Tom Clancy or, um, the other ones like about the cia and like uh, <laughs> navy seal missions and stuff i uh i do enjoy i do enjoy like hearing a navy seal story about their experience like i don't necessarily need to read a a fictional story about about you know any kind of wartime operation i like i like to actually learn about someone's experience and like the real how it actually goes like i read this book called grunt which was all about um, all about being in the military and being in the army and like the real shit that they don't tell you. It's like not just boot camp stuff. It's like being in combat and like combat right. in injuries, like real mm. injuries. And and there's a whole chapter about like like groin injuries and and that no like nobody talks about that. And it's so fucking common. And it made me it made me really uncomfortable and Ooh. I had to like gut my way through the rest of the book. Um, yeah, it, it was, it's crazy. But I, I do enjoy like a real, uh, experience like that. <clears throat> yeah. I, um, I dabble in a little bit of both, but with, when it comes to like the, any sort of like battle or like history thing like that, I don't know until, until they get like lightsabers and the force in combat, I'm probably, <laughs> probably stick into the fiction category unless it's like i like a good biography though if biographies super, are great speaking of john daly read his biography you read his biography yes 
How was it? Uh, My Life In and Out of the Rough, I believe it was called. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't call it Grip It and Rip It. <laughs> Dude, it was, it was incredibly, like, real and raw. You know, he talked. He lived a pretty crazy life. I remember he said when he was in, while he was at Arkansas, he would drink. He would play, like, 36 holes a day, and he would drink a fifth of Jack Daniels every day. I mean, that's what he does now. Nothing's he hasn't changed. really slowed down. Um, he, yeah, he goes through he goes through periods of slowing down. Like my experience, I'll tell you my, you know, I don't know. I, I'm sure the I'm sure the book it must have been very interesting. Like, does he get in? Does he get into like personal stuff or? Yeah, he talks okay. about rehab and like okay. um, talks about. I think there was a point in time where like him and his wife were both in rehab or either he was in rehab and she wasn't and like they would, they were about to get a divorce, but would still like sneak out to rendezvous with each other and hook up. He, you know, he just think he was, he lived a very, um, I don't want to say high strung, but it was just like a large life. You know, it was intense. He would destroy hotel rooms. (laughs) You know, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where that comes from, but. It was insane to read about. Yeah, he's he's um, he's a character, man. He he is a larger than life guy. What I will say, there's so many aspects to his personality that make you either love him or like fucking hate him. Um, I I really like the guy. He my experience with him was overwhelmingly positive. He was such a sweetheart. Um, when I was playing drums for Stephen Kellogg, John is a big fan of his and he invited us down to play this charity event uh it was basically just at a bar a bar he goes to um in dardanelle arkansas um so yeah we were down there it's with all his friends and you just imagine it's like this podunk town in the middle of the of nowhere and um you know you walk into the bar you open the door everybody turns everybody's wearing overalls and, and drinking a miller light and um it's just uh it's just an interesting place but he loves he loves music so much like he is like best friends with kid rock and i don't <laughs> agree with any of their politics but he's just like he's just one of those guys that he's so fun to hang out with he was such a pleasure he invited us to his house. We played we played 18 holes on his golf course. It's right next to his house. Oh, it, yeah. Was it nice? No. It was oh, actually it was just like it was like a just like a toss away kind of like place was kind of garbage. It wasn't a great <laughs> golf course. It, I mean, it's one of those things where it's not being played on a lot. There's not like a ton of upkeep going on there, so they probably come in once a week and like cut the grass and all that stuff. But it, mm. it's like there's a lot of uh uh um like dead grass and dirt dirt patches and stuff like that but i mean it was totally playable and fun and a great course i'm sure for him to practice on when he needs to get out um and play play some golf right next to his house which he has a tour bus parked in front of and that's where he sleeps he sleeps in the tour bus not does he sleep in his house no nope no i have more of a story that i i can't I can't tell, but that's okay. Um, yeah, I, it's you know, I I would like to be able to do it again sometime, and if I tell the story, it's it would it wouldn't be good. Um, but it's uh you know he cooked for us, he made us pork chops that were delicious. We got to drink his John Daly 
booze, which he had cases of in his garage. And we played songs. It was like five of us. But um, what I will say is like John Daly on his own, I don't think would be that guy that crashed, you know, that um, fucked up hotel rooms and does all this crazy stuff. I think he, he's incredibly talented. When I was there, he fucking hit a golf ball out of his brother's mouth. <laughs> I'll show I'll send you the video. Um, it was incredible. And the thing is, I think it's a lot of outside influences of his friends that he grew up with that like want to drink with him and want him to be this guy. And he feels obligated to do it. And, um, you know, I think that's where it might get into a little bit of trouble. But, uh, other than that, guy's a fucking angel <laughs> he's a sweetheart he's really really great that's awesome yeah i always root for him i, I don't know he's I, I like having those personalities you know it's with even if you have rough, rough edges i'm just, yeah. just like just be be a human more golfers need to just be a human and they don't really let them do that which is unfortunate right it's like country but club I, vibes yeah i think they're there's they're starting to come around to that because they see how how it brings in more fans, but, and, and I don't know, I think like, golf was so fun, man. I think everybody should give it a shot. Cause it's, you know, you're outside, you're in nature. It's a, you know, you can play a bunch of different places if you want to. And like even the Muni courses, if you, you know, if you do end up moving down to Nashville, like, I mean, the Muni courses are, are really fun around here. I have a good time. Are they? Yeah. I have a, I have a great time. I mean, I'm sure they're not, you know, I don't know another comparable play i've heard the the ones in austin are really fun as well okay i've always um, wanted to play on one of those desert courses like you know, we were out in st george last week that's where we did our our trip to really beautiful yeah beautiful yeah the the i love the the contrast of like the beautiful green course in the middle of a you know a sandy desert <clears throat> it's very yep. very cool it was cool we, we played this one course at like there's three different nine hole courses. Like one of them was all uh, like up and down this cliff, like the red rock cliff. The next one was like more through the, like the sandy areas. And then the last one was like volcanic. Like you were playing a, around a bunch of black rock. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. I, I haven't been able to get out and play at all this year, but I mean, I fucking, if I don't with a kid, dude, I, I can't imagine. It's impossible. When I, um, I love to play, but the thing is I need to be, well, you obviously need to be consistent and be doing it a lot to be good at it. Like if I go out and hit a bunch of balls into the rough and like hit balls into the water, I'm not enjoying myself. Like I need, I need to be like trying to be at my best when I'm on a course with other people because there is nothing worse to me than like, you know, if you're, (laughs) if I'm, if I'm behind a, a singer playing drums and the singer turns around and gives me a look like, what did you just do? That's how I feel like that stress in that moment where you like do something that, that now your teammates not on your team anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, or, or, you know, when you hit a ball in the rough or, or you just like, you're constantly just holding up the crew. Like you're holding up people behind, trying to play through or play behind you. Like that is so stressful to me. And if I can't do my best to avoid that or like play well, then I just don't even want to be out there. But, um, yeah, it's a game filled with anxiety with, that takes a bunch of mental toughness. Yeah. I love, I love just even going to the range and just, and just whacking some balls, you know, it's fun. 
Oh, oh yeah. I mean, I doubt you guys have a Top Golf up there. I don't know if you could even fit a Top Golf in Rhode Island. Um, <laughs> <laughs> light roading, uh, Rhode Island zinger there. Light zinger. Um, it's okay. It's all right. Um, but have you been to one before? Of course. Yeah, they're f- yeah. so much fun. I, t- I so like fun. it better than bowling. I don't. I don't know if you like uh, if you're a big bowling guy. <laughs> who's a big bo- who's a big bowling uh, they, they're out there you see them when you go bowling they're incredible <laughs> they are incredible they're so good have you ever watched a bowling tournament and how insane those guys are for the On wackest TV. thing yes they are yeah. very passionate they're very passionate. Like when I, they get a strider, they win and they just go like Tom Cruise up on the couch on Oprah yeah. crazy. Because <laughs> well, they let them. I mean, if 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 golf didn't have all the country club rules like you're talking about, it could be like that. It could be like that. That would be actually kind of fun. Actually, now that I'm thinking through it, that's how everything should really be. And it'd be more fun. Like uh, the, the, <laughs> the concept of the Ryder Cup and like what that is. Like yeah, U- Ryder US Cup is, is a U.S. Euro thing. Yeah, and right. then they switch every time where it's played, and the fans are insane. It's the only like it's golf bananas. tournament where they really let them like root. Yeah, for one specific, like one team. Really, it's right. not polite to root against someone, but in this one is like sort of okay. Yeah, um, and I don't know. Sometimes golf is funny to me because I take it. I take it very seriously. I love it. I love practicing it. I love playing it. But at the end of the day, sometimes I, I get perspective and I'm like, this is just wa- like whacking a ball through a bunch of grass into a hole. Like, <laughs> why are we, like everyone's going nuts for this little tiny white ball going into a hole from very far away in, in Man, the least me- amount of metaphor. wax. It's a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, it just makes me laugh. And then the next day, I'm like, back "Can I out get there. the white ball in the hole with the least amount of wax?" <laughs> 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 oh my gosh! But then that feeling, the feeling that you get when you hit like a shot close to the pen, it's it's like it's it just lives good. with you, lives with you. My my brother uh, used to be a GM at a golf course, and I would play there by myself every now and then when it was like a slow day or whatever. And um, the best shot I hit was one of those where the pin is is you know elevated and. I hit the shot. It was like uh, my sec, my third shot on a on a par five approach shot. So I'm hitting it, and it felt so, it felt so good off the club. And I was just like, "Oh, this looks really good," you know. And everything's just right in line where you hit it so perfect, and it's just straight up, straight down. And you know, you lose it because the pin is up high. You can't see really where it went. So I'm like, wow, that felt good. That looked really good. Let's see what happened. It can't be that good. So I go up and I took a picture of it. The ball was literally, it was a foot from the fucking hole. It was like that. Oh man. I was like, I, I took a picture of it. And of course I'm playing by myself. No one believed me. My brother didn't believe me. But you feel it. it. You feel it in your bones. Oh, uh, it was the best shot I'd ever hit. Yeah. It was, it was, <laughs> It was incredible. It's one of those things where, like, I don't care if anyone believed me that that because that feeling of hitting that shot was so pure. It was just such a pure feeling of of uh, just it was the happiest I think I've ever been. <laughs> it's the best day of my life. <laughs> oh man, that's hilarious! And it's you know again, you know, I'm glad we got to talk a little bit about golf on this. And if you skipped the golf part up until here, stop because golf is a great metaphor for life because you can right. hit some great shots that turn out very poorly and some very poor shots that turn out very nicely. So like we were saying earlier, like you might think you failed, but you actually did very well and advanced. <laughs> right. And but made, not all and of made you. Par. 
some of you are going to hit some poor shots and and it's just it's going to be bad they'll go out of bounds yeah and you'll you'll have to go back to where you started and try again right and you're gonna have to really work on yourself (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i i got this is making me really want to play golf because i got the bag i got you know my bag come my club i need, I need get a little dust irons. on it so yeah they're in my basement and it's there's a brick wall so it has actually has brick dust like all up in the bag so i'm gonna have to do some serious clean out when Just when a little I bit of maintenance go. little bit of maintenance haven't touched them in two years so i used to play in a golf tournament for the for the bar that i that i worked at every year and I worked at an Irish bar and it was a bunch of Irish guys, not Irish Americans, like from Ireland. Oh, um, they, oh, they're the best. They're the best. I married one of them. Not one of the guys, but one of the girls. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, they're there. They have such a great time. It, it's, it was in August every year and, um, tournament for the, to raise money, uh, for cystic fibrosis. And it was, uh, very very fun and i miss it a lot so i should get it i should get back out there and do some do some playing but yeah Yeah, dude just chase that chase that feeling of that of that shot you had you know chase it so what uh all right tell me about the single that you have coming out and that's quite the segue uh the single that you have coming out and are you playing what do you have coming up so uh, the single is called Cash Money Honey. Uh, I don't know when this podcast is Eric, but it comes out on July 9th. Um, and then we have the the video, um, which is also a short film in itself, um, awesome. coming coming after it. So just a lot of fun stuff. Uh, and then um, working on uh, shows right now. I have a few of the gigs that I norm that I normally play like around around town. Um, just like for like we have a show at Acme coming up for some for some people and. Uh, then we've got a show in Charlotte and then I think I probably might play twice in Charlotte in the next like five or six. That's where I'm from. So I always love going there and playing. Um, I'll be at but, the, uh, the neighborhood theater in the, Oh yeah. Great spot. That's the, yeah. Neighborhood theater is great. That's, um, I've played evening muse, which I think is right across the street. Oh yeah. That's a cool spot. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. When are you guys playing that? Um, I was actually just going through my calendar. Yeah. I think I think it might be. Um, it it's one of those that we usually play not in the fall, but I think since twenty twenty got so fucked up, uh, I think we might be playing it in the fall. So going through all these dates, being pretty boring right now, might be might be November. So oh okay, yep, Charlotte. Uh, the fifth of November. November fifth. You know, it's I'll, I. I will be in Charlotte the sixth. Are you going to be there? The, so you won't be there the fifth. Uh, the show is the sixth. It's, oh, your, we're, we're your playing, show is the sixth. It's. It, we're, I'm playing for a reunion. Um, gotcha. My goodness, is that a helicopter above me. I have no idea what that is. They're, um, they're going to get you. No, they're not. They're, they can't get me in here. I'm safe in here. They'll never find me. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I think, I don't think we have anything before that. So if you're in town on the, yeah, fifth, I would love you, to, you get your, your tickets on me. I'll, I'll get you a spot on yes. the guest list. I know a guy, yes. I know a guy. Um, so yeah, that's like, that's I know a guy one of my favorite places to play. I'm with the guy in gym shorts and a t-shirt. He's, he's the drummer. <laughs> I'm with him. <laughs> he's not the drummer. The nice thing is I bit like once you 
go to these places like four and five, six times, they're like, oh, yeah, there you are. That's that's like the sweet spot. I like to go and like it's a slow burn. I'm more of the slow burn guy. You like me after you get to know me after a few times. Um, but I love going to that place that's right next door. They sell leather bags and, and sunglasses and stuff. I can't remember the name hmm. of the actual place. So if, if you're listening to this, just uh, Google the neighborhood theater and then directly to the right. If you're looking at the neighborhood theater, at the it's entrance? Direct, if you're looking at the entrance on, from the street, it's on the right. It's on the right side. And they sell they sell beautiful leather bags and backpacks and and like cool stuff. I love stuff like that. So it's not that like vintage store around the corner, right? No, it's not. It's not vintage. It's all new okay. stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's and it's all like pretty expensive. So I never. I'm always. I almost pulled the trigger on a uh, on like a, a leather duffel bag the last time I was there. I didn't do it. But you know, who knows? One of, one of these days. Nothing Are you guys like playing duffel? You playing uh, Nashville? Uh, I don't think we're playing Nashville. Um, we so usually we'll have to come to Charlotte then. Yeah, we usually do. We usually play Nashville, but um, where do you guys usually play? City Winery. Okay. Yeah. We played. We played the Exit Inn once, and then we also played the Basement East. Um, yeah, all great venues. A couple times ago, but that unfortunately, well, I think they rebuilt the Basement East mm-hmm. now, right? They did, yeah. They rebuilt it. I remember that was the the night of the tornado. Yeah, they got. Did you ex- have any tornado experiences? So um, I was actually Rachel was my girlfriend at the time. We were at her place when the tornado started. Um, my place was in East, where it went through. Luckily, the where I was staying at the time was completely fine. But we had some friends who had a house that had a little bit of damage. Um, we had a lot of friends in apartments that got. Uh, you know, they had to go find somewhere else to live. That's so crazy. Had a few people with some just insane stories of like being out and like a tree falling through the bar. So a, a lot of Fuck. rebuilding. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Um, and uh, yeah, we were, we're all we we're all very fortunate. And actually, the girl that I was um, that I supported in her tour uh, in in like October, November of last year. Or no, 2019. Goodness, that was two years ago. I need to play more shows. Um, it's it's okay. You had an excuse. <laughs> she was going to play there like four or five days after that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, the whole side got knocked off of that building. It was crazy. But they're back. That's awesome that they're back. I mean, it's a pretty resilient city. That's a, that's also the crazy, like illogical thing that that I have with moving and thinking about moving to Nashville. I'm like, well, you know, Genevieve, they do have tornadoes and shit. And you know, it's such a stupid thing to, to even think about when you want to move somewhere. But you know, I've, you know, we have hurricanes and, and Italians up here. So, <laughs> Oh, I didn't know you guys, you guys have Italian stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. People. <laughs> Oh, it's just, it's just like underground Italian. No, I, I'm stuff well, gets nuts. I'm an I'm you know I'm an Italian dude, but it's like um, Providence especially has has Federal Hill, which is a big Italian spot, and they have Vendi's raviolis, and they have all kinds of great restaurants up there. It's a very peop, the 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 Italian. You know, the people with Italian heritage in Rhode Island are very proud of their Italian heritage. So 
And you we, worked at an Irish bar. I worked at an Irish bar in Boston. So I was, a, and I married a girl from Northern Ireland. So I'm very, my family fucking <laughs> hates me. <laughs> no, it's, oh, uh, it's great. We love it. We love it. But dude, thanks so much for doing this. Um, this was my my first foray back into i don't have any more banked episodes right now so this will probably come out like this week oh sweet that's yeah. perfect yeah it'll be great um so i appreciate you letting me listen to me ramble it's funny because i haven't talked to him into a microphone in front of a camera in a while so it felt good to do it and i just I, you know appreciate you being my soundboard and listening I'm looking at the wave files. <laughs> There's some brief spots where I'm not saying anything, but it looks pretty good. It's a beautiful uh, wave file, if you ask me. All right, good, 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 good. I like that. All right, man. Well, I really hope I really hope I get to see you in Charlotte. That would be really fun. Please, um, if you're there, let me. Yeah, know. I'll let I'll let you know for sure. I will. I'll let you know beforehand. I'll put a reminder in my phone that week to. I'd be very happy to have have you as a guest there. Be very very happy. Get coffee. Get some food before. I'm trying to think what. Where are you? Get some leather go? bags. Get some leather bags. Get some matching some sun- duffels. Matching sunglasses, maybe. Yeah. I'll wear my skinny jeans to sound check. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wear my I'm with the drum tech shirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I gotta get a drum tech, man. I really need it. I fucking hate setting up and and, and tearing down so much. I almost hate that more than I like playing. I was just about to offer to do it, but I realized I'd give you way more work in the end to do than you had <laughs> at the beginning. So I was I was playing Space in Evanston. Um, have you ever been to that venue? No. So suburb of Chicago, beautiful venue named Space. One of my favorite places to play in the country. Um, I was late to the gig because I had to get my in-ear monitors re- formed because something was wrong with one of the drivers in mine and the the sensophonics just shout out to sensophonics um i go to them and they're so great and they're wonderful and they took me in and they gave me new molds that day and uh so long story short i couldn't make it to like the beginning of load in and set up and all that stuff. So I was late. I was late to the, to that situation. And then I showed up and the guys had like taken out my drums and tried to put them together. Mm. I had to like undo the whole thing. <laughs> I had to like undo the stands. Like this is all wrong. We they tried, it, man. We tried. I know. <laughs> well, their heart was in the right place. Yeah. It's funny enough. I was playing with Eric Hutchinson at Summerfest in Milwaukee and my dad was there and for some reason for some reason my dad was got to the stage before I did. I wasn't there yet. And he started setting up the he started setting up stands or something like cymbal stands. And he like, I don't know what he did. He overextended them or he did something. I had to like redo the whole thing. And it was one of my first time. I was really stressed because it was my first time playing to like click tracks and, and in ears and doing all this, doing all this new stuff on a kit that I'm not accustomed to playing because no, I, backline. I, I, no, I was a sub. I, I, I was playing oh. his, I was playing his regular drummers kit so i had to like learn where everything was and 
so that was the same kind of thing. I had to undo everything he did. And then also like, Oh, it wasn't even your gear that he, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh yeah. So I had to, I had to redo that, but same thing. It's like, they're trying to, they're trying to help you out, but fucking keep your, keep your dirty mitts off that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Well, this was a pleasure, man. Really, totally. really, Thank really you. fun talking to you. Happy to have you on. Dude, I appreciate it, man, again. And that was my episode with Grayson Foster. Please check out all of his stuff, Spotify, anywhere you listen to music, and check out that new single when it comes out. Uh, Please enjoy the music after my spiel here. Check me out on the Patreon. Get extra content, exclusive content at patreon.com slash after the gig. Sign up for that. And I will see ya when I see ya. If you wanna roll me, then you gotta roll me all night long. And if you wanna use me, then you gotta use me till I'm gone. I'm running for the last train home If you wanna know me Then you gotta know me through and through And if you're gonna hurt me Last train, maybe you're the last train home.